0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Vorst, and I'm your host for the show. I'm also one of the pastors at Life Church, and I definitely consider that to be a privilege uh, to be able to, to serve you, um, to shepherd you, and to help you grow in your faith, your knowledge of who God is, and how He's uh, calling us to become more and more like Christ. And uh, this podcast is just another opportunity for us to do that. And so, if you would like to uh, subscribe to this, if you haven't done so, go ahead and do that. Uh, You could share this with anybody uh, that might be impacted by this content. And then, lastly, I want to invite you to contribute uh, to the work of Life Church Canton. Uh, Your giving, your financial contributions uh, do make an impact in how we get to be a part of kingdom building. Uh, So, thank you for that. Today is an episode of Table Talk Thursday. And uh, we have been talking about racial injustice quite a bit, uh, but now we decided to hone in more so on the phrase and the organization of Black Lives Matter because there's a lot of confusion around that. And so uh, most first and foremost, we want to be gospel-centered. So uh, without further ado, here is Table Talk Thursday, and we hope you enjoy
1: and have a good day. all right welcome welcome everybody welcome to table talk thursdays i am here with pastor jared and pastor nathan and we will be talking through some things today um as usual uh we go live at 12 noon every thursday so you can send in questions in advance by tuesday evening so we can put it on the docket as it were for the next show questions about the most recent sermon Questions about life? Any other questions? Period. Or welcome, even some live questions on Facebook are welcome. So feel free to chime in. I also want to just remind us to keep praying for our nation and for our church. Had a great time last weekend. Uh, you men were there too uh, with the men's breakfast. It was a great opportunity for us to fellowship. Uh, man, sweet time, good food. We thank uh, Harry J. Will Funeral Home and our brother Kevin Bullock for blessing us and treating us. I still have some sausages in my freezer, brothers and i'm i'm doing it every day every day this week so you got sausages what the heck i got sausage well it uh, was it was gluten brother that sounds really rare like you, you, you hurt by that i could bring you some.
2: i don't know uh, nothing it, you went home with
1: sausages well so <laughs> for context purposes okay. i got it there got you go it. see it was the only gluten-free <laughs> one and i was the only gluten-free man out there um so in an attempt to make me feel like i belong I believe that I was blessed um, with those things. But how are you brothers doing? It's good to see your faces, good to hear your voices. Thank God for another day above ground with our families. Um, how are you guys doing, Pastor Nathan? You can go first. How are you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. It's been, uh, it's been quite a journey. We talked about the men's prayer breakfast, and uh, it was wonderful. Well executed. A uh, lot of fun just to be able to see people. Um, great weather. Um, but, you know, just being able to sit there with someone, uh, a young man, who came up and felt moved by, Mm. um, the whole thing, really. Um, he mentioned worship and the good, good father. And then he mentioned the message and then he mentioned some of the announcements, just the, the, when you see an event come together, um, it really can position people to hear from God. And this was happening in this young man's life. And so he came up and spoke to me and, and, um, I'll share a little bit here just because it's good, but, um, how he got there is there was uh, one of our new life weekends uh, we had a well actually it's before that we did a series in the fall called you uh, the code we talked about you belong and an individual a couple that was there is about to get married decided to start coming to the church at that point and they just felt like they belonged then they got baptized right after that and they shared their story and it was beautiful um young man got up and he started talking about and uh, about how as he grew up you know mixed race and how he never felt like he belonged to either one and about how god helped him feel like he belonged and and so because he got baptized that day uh, a man in the audience his name's chris was felt compelled to get baptized went up shared his faith got baptized has been involved in the church since so that man brought his son to the men's prayer breakfast and god moved again and his son came up and just said hey i think i need to get baptized and we talked and we realized that what he really needed to do in that moment is that he needed to accept jesus christ and he did and he is getting baptized so you should come on august 30th to hear his testimony um but i'm just amazed by that we have to celebrate how good it is so how how couldn't I be um, just still enjoy you know, almost a week later. Um, so that was a long, long intro, but I was excited about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, how are you? How are you doing? Me? I'm encouraged. I think that's what I meant to share. It's just encouraged by that. Some other things that have happened, I'd love to share some point on this forum here soon. Just encouraged by what God is doing and mm. what he's saying. Like no, I just, no, no. I, I, it makes the other things um, less important. Yeah, yeah, as it should. That's what we're made
1: to do is glorify God. It was lost on me in the moment that he, I thought he was a Christian that just hadn't been baptized. And then I spoke to you a little later and I realized, no, 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 he he didn't know Christ or have a relationship with Christ. And uh, through that venue, it had Christ. And that was the only reason that we gathered that weekend. It was worth it. And sweet, pancakes. sweet time. <laughs> anyway, and sausage, gluten-free. Uh, bless God. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Jared, how you doing, brother? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing Got okay. Got that money shirt on. I like it. I, because A it's green. shirt.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, so.
1: We, we, actually, at, we are
2: primary we, colors right well, now. Well, I was going to say Rast-
0: Rastafarian. Uh, yeah, uh, we...
2: Man, I never wear yellow. I wanted to do
1: my Rastafarian accent, but because someone named Pastor Nathan always judges my accent, I just let it be. No, you know? no, he no, he likes no. your accent. Let's
2: to be to be clear for those no, on the judges podcast right now. Accent. We're, my accent, my awesome wearing, British accent. Yes, that's that's correct. So first of all, for those in the podcast, we are wearing um, yellow, <laughs> green, and red, which respectively. Are not primary colors, by the way, which are not whatever they totally are. I'm Dude, I don't no, care. You forgot. I know what? they're not. The world blue, whatever. All right. Speaking about blue. Um, But Daniel, your English accent and only your English accent is absolutely horrendous. It is the worst (laughs) English accent I have ever heard in my life. And and I, and I wow. tell you that, brother, so you don't use it. But your other accents are so spot on; it's amazing. Um, it's it's really really good. You sound like you're an Australian. Like I, it's just bad. It's just really bad. So that's why I'm trying to look out for you. I wow. know my lane. What I can't jump into, um, and so I just I'm trying to help you find find uh, what
1: you're really. I good know at. <laughs> who doesn't have the gift of encouragement on this podcast. <laughs> I know to not call you if I need to be encouraged. Pastor well, Jared, I will be reaching out to you. Thank, Thank you. you. You're welcome. Your neutrality and, on and this I am and even
2: for your encouragement. Absolutely. Yeah. Ron Wrightson is saying that I'm wearing maize, not yellow. Of course, Ron would say that. <laughs> I don't know how I could be wearing corn Um, maize <laughs> is corn. Um, oh. This is yellow, uh, Ron. <clears throat> Anyways. And I remember come, I remember my
1: first weekend, I said to Ron, I said I you know, I said something about the blue of was it was the Detroit Lions? I was like, yeah, that's a nice uh light blue color. He's like, no, it's Honolulu. Honolulu blue, Hi. yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay. All yeah. right, I'll go
0: with that. So anyway, how are you, Pastor Jarrett? In Minnesota, we call them the Motor City Kitties uh as well. So anyway, um I'm doing okay. Uh Me and my wife both. (laughs) Me and my wife both woke up this morning. There will be
1: blowback for that, you know that. I know.
0: I know. I'm. I'm. I'll deal with it. Um, and we both woke up, and she's like, "I have a headache," and I'm like, "I have a neck ache." And she goes, "We're old. Um, and we're not actually that old, but we for some reason feel that way. (laughs) So, so my neck can't turn all the way. Um, and and so that's just kind of an annoying thing. But other than that, I mean, that's a pretty small small thing, we're, we're doing pretty well, um, enjoying time with family, and uh, it, all the things that Nathan mentioned, and, and then has yet to mention, there's some encouraging things unfolding at Life Church and in our community. And, um, you know, just mentioning that somebody came to a men's breakfast of all things, you know, you don't necessarily expect that somebody's going to have an encounter with Jesus in a profound way, but then they do. And you're like, okay, nothing, nothing is wasted no moment is wasted. And so uh, it's just, it's encouraging to be part of that. And um, even amidst, you know, any, any of the hardships that any of us are dealing with, it, it centers you and reminds you, Oh yeah, that's why we're doing what we're doing. So I, I, I agree with Nathan. I'm encouraged by that.
1: Amen. That's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, um, it's an interesting, it's not, it's not as though we spent an inordinate amount of time in the word it was good. It was to yeah. the point. Um, but it's just it just goes out to say that even the littlest of our investment, God can expand right. and use it in ways that we can even. Um, and our job is to just be faithful. And so, yeah. yeah, word to the wise out there, be faithful, be present, never know uh, what God is doing. So, yeah. great. Well, oh, as we doing? move in. What about you? Oh, yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting sure? to do that. That's all right. Um, how am I doing? I think I'm doing well. I think there's been some encouraging things this week. I've had some good conversations with some people this week that have been encouraging to um, get proximal. Um, you know, I always talk about that, like whether it's race, whether it's um, any other issue in life, uh, proximity helps us to hear people's hearts, to yeah. to see them as humans and not run a narrative in our head of them not being. Um, but also be able to share with them some truths that they might not be seeing. So it's been a blessing to have those conversations, and um, looking forward to seeing my family next week. They come back next week, so I'm excited oh, well. about that. Um, and and of course, looking forward to take some time off, um, some I would hope do time off um, next week and just um, and just um, chill and um, look at the paint dry on the wall. Um, just fun stuff. So yeah, so I'm excited. I'm thankful to God. I'm grateful that we're um, walking through the gospel. And um, it's refreshed my joy for the gospel. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just thankful for all of that. And I can't wait to see <clears throat> where we go with the series and all that we're going to do to impact the implications. So I'm super excited at what God is doing here at Life Church. So thanks for asking. Cool. Um, as I, in my red shirt, which might be, I don't know, blood red or whatever someone else might want to call this shirt. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's good to to be here with you guys. So we're going to transition into this conversation and we've had, and just for context, we've had quite a few conversations, quite a few comments about, uh, Black Lives Matter. Um, and so we kind of want to just have that
2: conversation
1: and, um,
2: who would kick us off? Anyone want to kick off? Kick us off? Yeah, that, I think I can get started. It's going to be nuanced, um, as well. we'll have- you know, explore um, a little bit of where that phrase comes from, the organization, and try to be really clear about what we're saying and what we're not, Um, because I think what has been confusing to people that I've talked to personally, you know, sat across from, I'm really grateful they came and talked and talked to me about understanding, and there's a little bit of confusion of where we stand with it. So I think we want to bring that up to create understanding, but also to educate a little bit so that we can have this conversation. You know, it's, this conversation is happening all the time. On Facebook, probably the worst place it could possibly happen. This is much better. It's a dialogue. And in some ways, because we can have questions back from you, hopefully you feel like we're approachable to have these conversations. I just want you to know, like all three of us are willing to meet with you uh, on Zoom or in person with, you know, the right safety stuff. I think it's so important for us to realize that and that we want to be clear. Um, you know, I was talking to someone the other day and just as a way of introduction we look at the word of God first as teachers of the Bible and what we see in the gospel and what we'll cover later in the series, just one week that we're talking about is the gospel is huge. It should be, Everything, it should be what we focus everything on. And as we, the three of us, have interpreted the gospel, as, as post, especially as well our denomination, we realize we have to stand with the oppressed and the poor, that we have to shepherd hearts too. And we have to shepherd the hearts of those uh, who are minorities in our church, who are, are suffering and are dealing with it. So because of that, we have an obligation to speak about these things and to do things about it. But we're not speaking into the void. We're speaking into probably the most divisive thing of our day, the thing that is divisive and words that are being used by political entities for their own ends and games and by news and all this other stuff. And and so what we're doing is we're speaking about truth into a context that um, doesn't agree with the gospel. And so we're having to use words and trying to be um, smart in the way that we use words, but We have to speak, we have to speak out. And that's what the gospel demands of us. So I think it's really good though. When we can bring clarity. And I think the conversation we're going to have about um, black lives matter as both an organization and as a concept and as a hashtag is so important for us to be able to, to, to share with you, to be clear. And I think our conversation right now is about clarity and how the word of God informs what we're doing. We're not trying to convince you of anything. Um, or, or call you out or make anyone feel bad. I, that's not our intention at all. We just realize we have to speak about it and we need to be as clear as possible. And I know that the men um, in this call are just so passionate about um, the word of God and, and trying to help people think in a more um, a wise manner and hold everything about, uh, against scripture. And uh, so that, that's kind of my introduction to why we're talking about it today. Yeah. And we've got this question a lot. So it's, it's yeah. time to answer it.
1: And not only do we have the question a lot, I think it's also helpful for even people who don't have a question about it to realize that there's more to be known about it. Right. Um, and So that's super helpful. Pastor Jerry, yeah. what are your thoughts on this?
0: Yeah, I think, um, I think, you know, if, if people hear a phrase um, and if they're, even the slightest bit confused as to what it means or the implications that come with that. Um, I just always want to encourage people just ask a question, (laughs) ask like, if you don't understand something, that's okay. Um, And that's probably going to happen for the rest of your life uh, that you're going to, (laughs) you're going to come across something that you might not understand. And I think in our culture right now in our society, both churched and unchurched is, Uh, One, we're afraid to not know something, and so we don't want to admit that. Um, And two, if we're afraid, uh, we'll quickly make something up in conversation, or at least in our own heads, and decide for ourselves what we think a certain thing means. And and then that goes down into a, a spiraling effect of we'll get angry because of what we think something means, Um, we'll take that anger and project it onto individuals or institutions um, and decide for ourselves that our anger is justified and therefore this change needs to happen. And so you can see how this unfolds very quickly and spirals out of control, all based on either one, not knowing something or two, assuming you know something and actually being wrong. So I think and that, that's not just in relation to Black Lives Matter. I think that's in relation to anything that we would say from the stage or even from this platform online. Um, if something is said and you don't understand it, say, I don't understand what you said. Can you help clarify that for me? And we've talked, i I feel like I'm, um, just repeating a script, you you might even be watching or listening right now and be like, Jared has the same script that he's reading over and over every single time. I feel like I say this a lot, but if you don't understand something, that's okay. Ask and find out what do you mean when you say X? And so I appreciate, I want to make sure I'm affirming here too. I appreciate, um, those individuals specifically in our church, uh, that have reached out to say, Hey, I think I heard you say this, or I think, um, you know, I heard somebody else say this, and I just want to understand for clarity, is this what you mean? And so um, obviously the phrase, the foundation, the organization, the hashtag, all the things that you mentioned, Nathan, uh, around Black Lives Matter is weighty and is polarizing and can bring about suspicion and assumptions and narratives that get created very quickly and very rapidly and cause fear and anxiety and anger unnecessarily. Um and there's uh conversation is free. It's free we can have conversation. And so I just appreciate appreciate the people that have been reaching out and saying, hey, um, can we talk about this? Can you help me understand this? So uh that's just a little precursor for where we're going to go uh for these next few minutes here. Yeah I just I want to connect again.
2: Yeah, I want to connect again what you said there, Jared, with um, we are dealing with a conversation about these terms Mm -hmm. that already exists and when it sounds like we are speaking into that conversation the assumption could be made that we are agreeing with the conversation and even the way the conversation is happening, which if you've heard from me ever, 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 ever about Facebook, because I have people like, I'm like, well, there's people in our church who are saying these things on Facebook. And I'm saying, well, we're not saying those. We understand that that's the context. We want to have balance in the midst yeah. of it. But we have to think critically and yeah. and there's going to be misunderstanding. And and um, that's why we're having part of this conversation. Yeah. So I, just, I just agree with you, Jared. And um, I don't think it's bad. I, and I don't yeah. think anyone should hear like we're tired of it. We're not. In fact, we find it, um, these conversations, the three of us thrive in it. Mm -hmm. You know, we thrive in hard conversations um, because we believe that's where relationship is built and understanding can happen. And man, when I hear feedback from people, whether it's like, and they're maybe critical of some of the things that we've said or done or whatever, like, i may push back but like it sticks in my head and i dwell on it and let not in a negative way but it, it it just sits there and all of a sudden it'll make connections with other pieces and all of a sudden we become better leaders and we yeah. can lead you better um and lead us and lead ourselves better um, so i'm just affirming of of the conversation yeah
1: yeah so i think um well, i think we're gonna dive in and um yeah. kind of unpack some things um But before I even say that, I do want to affirm something um, about Pastor Jared, even in this conversation, is that even, and some of you guys don't know this, but we have conversations um, before every sermon. Uh, We run through every sermon, everybody's sermon. um, Mm -hmm. And even our lead pastor doesn't think himself too big for that conversation. And it's it's a great tool for us to refine ourselves, to make sure, one, we're being faithful to the text, to the gospel, to God. And also to be faithful to our context, um, to you guys, to bring you truth in the way that it's clear um, and loving uh, and truthful. Um, and so one of the things that I, I've always admired and appreciated about all of us, but I, I just want to affirm it particularly in Pastor Jared right now is that we are living by the standard of what we're calling you to in the sense of saying, Hey, Daniel, in fact, it happened just a couple of days ago. We were talking, we like, like, Hey, What did you mean by that help me understand what you know and it's it's just a great thing because i think when you shy away from hard conversations you rob yourself of the beauty of deeper relationships yeah Mm. Um, and then you also Mm. create narratives in your own head about what people are thinking and i think that's what we've got so far even in our church as much as i love our church and we are proud to be parts of our church and we love people because we know a lot of even the miscommunication that happened comes out of people sincerely wanting to stick to the gospel. Right. Um, and so that's why we want to spend time through the series talking about what the gospel is and the implications of the gospel. Um, and so anyway, so so I say that just to say, folks, you know, we want you to hold us accountable if we're not asking these same questions of each other and of you. Um, and 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 please feel free if you have any conceived notions that we are unapproachable. I want you to debunk that right now, um, to approach us, text, email, carrier pigeon, whatever you want to send, we are open to it. Um, and we want to engage that. Um, so, but as we dig deep, I think it's helpful um, to just sort of talk about, um, and I don't want to say my opinion um, about this issue, but my biblically informed opinion about this issue. And and I'm sure that our my brothers will sort of chime in as we go through, but, I think the first thing is the first things first is I personally make a distinction between the organization and the slogan, black lives matter. So, so hear me and hear me clear when I say, and you've never heard me say, and I don't think we've ever said black lives matter at all. So this is the first time we've had, we're having a conversation. Um, And, but when we affirm that slogan, it is not to be assumed as an affirmation of the organization. So I make a distinction between the organization and the slogan or the principle that Black Lives Matter. The slogan itself was birthed out of a sincere pain and frustration of people due to the injustices that Black people have and are experiencing every sector of American life. And even more specifically, it has to do with the murder of hundreds of unarmed Black men and women at the hands of law enforcement. That's the birthplace of this cry. Um, This is not to say that those shootings were justified or not justified. It is just a cry that throughout the history of America, that America has valued black lives less than any other life. Uh, And so that's where the outcry comes from, that our lives matter as well. And so as such, this outcry is just a reminder that even now our lives don't matter as other people. Now, as I say that, I want to pause here and say this is a Christian cause, if there ever was one. It's a Christian cause because as Christians, we ought to, should, and do believe in what's called the Imago Dei. Genesis one twenty six says that God has made man in his image. All mankind has been made in the image of God. That means all people of all nationalities has been made in the image of God. The understanding of this truth would have stopped slavery from happening. The understanding of this truth will stop oppression in every sector of life because you realize that this person, that person is the image bearer of God. And so that's the crux of this as a Christian issue for me is that if we alienate any person or any groups of people because of the color of their skin or the race that they're in or the race that they were born in, it's tantamount to hatred of God. And the, 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 the sort of line there is drawn simply from Genesis chapter 1, 26. If God made us in his image and you hate the image of God, ergo, you hate God. Now that's hard for some people to swallow, but this is just scripture. And so as you say, stick to the gospel, let's stick to the truth of the word of God. Let's stick to what that means. Now, additionally... It's also a second commandment issue, right? It is the loving of your neighbor. Mark 20, uh, Mark chapter 12, Jesus talks about this. And the Pharisees come to Jesus, the teachers come to Jesus, and they ask him all these questions. And one of them said, Hey, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus says it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then he says the second is also as equally important to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, for some who want to take the sort of hatch out and say, well, who's my neighbor? Well, he even acts as in Luke, right? He says that my neighbor is any and everybody. But Jesus answers this question and says that man, Now, notice this, I want you to sort of catch this. The man says to Jesus, hey, what's the most important law? Jesus says, love your Lord, your God. He, he, he essentially repeats what's called the Shema, right? The, the sort of most important scripture for all of Israel and really for all of God's people. It talks about the unity of God and the oneness of God and the supremacy of God. So he says, love the Lord your God with all your might, all your strength, all your nephesh, literally, all your mahod in Hebrew, all your muchness, every part of your essence. Love the Lord God with every fiber of your being. Oh man, you're speaking biblical, man. I'm loving that.
2: Loving it. Then he says, but then he says,
1: love your neighbor as yourself. I, I want you to catch what just happened here. The man said, what's, what is the most as in one? So for Jesus, he doesn't distinguish between the love of God and the love of people. Jesus is seeing this as two sides of the same coin. In other words, your love for God informs your love of people. So if you love God naturally or perhaps supernaturally, you will love people. And so now yeah, the, 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 the converse is also true, right? The other side of the dialectic is if you have a hatred for people because of the way God has made them, and I'm narrowing this down just to race, right? Because I know that we can unpack that a little later uh, in, in some sense, but if you hate people or dislike people or marginalize people because of the way God has made them to show his beauty in all colors and skin complexions, then that means, or that is indicative of a heart that doesn't love God. And that's simply it, folks. It is a imago Dei issue. We are made in the image of God. It is the love of God that informs the love of man. And so if you don't love men, in fact, First John says it, if you don't love the people that you see and you say you love God that you don't see, it literally says you are a liar and the truth is not in you. And now when we then have the rebuttal of all lives matter, I think we've all, at this point, heard the, the nice uh, refrain that, hey, if one house is on fire and, and then the other houses are not on fire, it's, 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 it's rude and illogical to say, well, all houses matter. No, we need to put the, ha- the fire out in that one house. Or we've also heard the logic of, hey, if I have leukemia and I create an organization for leukemia, you don't come to me and say all cancers matter. You, you appreciate the fact that I'm talking specifically about this cancer. And that me speaking about this cancer doesn't devalue the other cancers. But something that dropped into my spirit today was super, it it was so simple that it was profound. Jesus said, there's a hundred sheep. One is lost. One is in danger. Jesus leaves the 99 and goes after the one sheep that is in danger. Jesus did not say all sheep matter. But he realized that in that moment, the danger, the urgency is about this one sheep that is wayward, lost, and in danger. This is not now. I don't want to extrapolate from that that black people are, are lost sheep. What I am saying is that all life, yes, matters. But beyond the slogans, do you love your neighbor as yourself? And do you believe that they were made in the image of God? Folks, that's it. Like, we can have conversations about Marxism, about all these other things and all these other theories. But as a Christian, at the end of the day, the Bible is your constitution. Where does God shake out on this? And he would say, I made them in my image, love them as you claim to love me. And that's my little spiel on it. Because I think that's where we need to have the conversation. The conversation can't be about what we think it means. And I think Pastor Jerry's statement is true. We need to ask questions of each other. Lovingly, respectfully, but we need to ask these questions of each other and not run a narrative that is based on secularism and not on the Bible that we say we believe in. And so, to stick to the gospel, you and I were made in God's image, and God loves us. And therefore, the love of God that we say we have for God has to inform how we love our neighbor, right?
0: And I think, even what's interesting about that, um you know, the question then comes, well, who is my neighbor? And isn't that where he goes into the story of the Samaritan? And it, in our Bibles, it probably has a heading that says the good Samaritan, but Jesus actually describes him as the despised Samaritan. Because Mm. in that context, he's talking to Jewish people who would have hated uh, the Samaritans um, and had uh, prejudice toward them. And Mm. uh, and yet Jesus makes that person the hero of the story and it infuriates them. And Jesus then poses the question, you know, who, who was the better person essentially and um, or who, who was the, the better neighbor and uh, and they can't even respond by saying the good Samaritan, essentially, they just say the despised. The, you know, they keep calling him despised. And so it's just interesting what that does. Like why, why of all analogies that people could use or that jesus could use to tell that story would he use somebody who is on the fringe of jewish society in that in that time and place so i just think that that's uh, that has implications for what we're talking about now i i um i keyed in on so okay you daniel said uh i do not hold the phrase black lives matter um uh, as the same as the organization. I think absolutely. what people might not know is, okay, well, why? What's wrong with the organization? And uh, it be good to talk about that. Yeah,
2: yeah. But I can take that if you want. Yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Been doing a lot of work on this um, and just processing through it. We're gonna put up a bunch of responses um, to the things that we're going to talk about. There's a bunch of articles I'll be putting in, some of which you have heard about from um, me in the past. There's a four-part series on Black Lives Matter movement from a biblical stance that's just incredible, already covering a little bit of what we've already talked about, the great commandment to love your neighbor, the great commission to to uh, reach out into all nations with the love of God in tangible form and and um, the great commitment to be Loving Together, just so much of what we're going to talk about is encapsulated very well with an opportunity for you to grow. This article is taken uh, specifically about uh, Christianity Today. It's talking about critical race theory and Marxism Mm. and social justice, Um, some of the things we've hinted at. But it talks about this, the argument. I'm just going to read a small response so that you all know what we're talking about. Argument number three, that this professor of Marxist theory who is a Christian, a PhD, engages it says the argument number three is the black lives matter movement is marxist and supportive of the lgbtq community's attempt to criminalize traditional biblical views of sexuality and tradition okay so that's that's what actually i hear the most of when people are upset with the black lives matter movement they focus on this so the official black lives matter movement was started by Alicia Garza, Patrice Cullors, and I'm going to nail, I'm murdering these names, and Opal Tometi, I'm sorry for those names, but it was built on a Marxist foundation and is deeply involved with LGBTQ agendas. Um, it just is. Uh, the doctoral level cultural studies on Black Lives Matter movement right now are showing this. It was there um, to talk. Uh, the good part of it was about uh, what we've already talked about, empowering and recognizing that there's some systemic things, but it does put forward agendas that are antithetical to the gospel. Some of the articles that we see, you can, you can look at more. But the Black Lives Matter movement um, itself has very little to do with what most people are saying. There are studies of Twitter campaigns and hashtags and what's going on out there, and that most people who use the Black Lives Matter hashtag actually have no connection to the movement proper, and those who are Christians shouldn't. Um, Should not uh, because of what it believes in. And that's my personal opinion that they should not. There's some conversation about how to be co-belligerent with the movement. But I think what when we talk about using Black Lives Matter as a a hashtag, or to talk about it, we are talking about the words themselves, the three words, Black Lives Matter. Matter Now, I just threw a ton of different things out there. What I talked about was the movement, which it was made um, by individuals who are supportive of the LGBTQ agenda, who are Marxist, who do uh, want to see things pulled down, but also are not supportive of, uh, uh, they are not pro-life. They, they are you know, want to see um, the power of abortion, they're, 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 they're good with that. That's something that's part of them. And that's just not where we stand and where we see um, the word of God. And so we do not and um, condone the movement, but we're talking about the difference between the movement and the phrase. So I, hopefully I covered enough about what it was a uh, Mary Aerosmith yeah. is another name. Thank you.
1: Yeah. And, and so I do want to say, too, why you say that, Pastor Nathan. so people oh, are clear. has a question, yeah. Yeah, well, so people are clear is that you are not labeling them Marxists. They actually label themselves as Marxists. That's clear to, to make that distinction. We're not making a judgment call on people's uh, ideological yeah. position, but they actually promote themselves as Marxists yeah. who are created to disrupt the nuclear family and and therefore destroy God's definition of family. Right. So and Mary,
2: Mary, yeah. Mary Aerosmith asked the question, um, does the church have any plans to participate in any protests or groups regarding BLM? And I'd say, no, we don't at this point. Um, and also you have to acknowledge that protests are groups of BLM, they all stand in different places and some of them are affiliated with the organization and the organization itself has rules on how they have to conduct themselves. Like this is a real thing. And, and not, all protests are part of, the, about, of this foundation. In fact, they actually have rules of what they can't do. Um, so it, it's a hashtag, it's the phrase that they don't really own, but that has um, caught fire and given them, you know, more influence, but not everybody who's, who's protesting with Black Lives Matter even understands, like it's clear from these studies, they don't even understand that the foundation sometimes even exists and what it stands for and wouldn't necessarily agree with some of the things that it, it says. So there's two things going on and, and hopefully we're trying to bring some more clarity. So Mary, right now, we don't have any plans to participate formally as a church um, in protests uh, at the moment.
1: So I, I do want to even clarify that, right? Because I think Please. we are in a post, um, a denotative definition of words. Right, we are in a, a situation where we have a society now where people uh, pack words with different types of meaning that we have to even. <laughs> we're we're going to spend most of our time saying, "Well, what does that mean? What does that mean?" Before we even get to the deeper understanding right. of what people are trying to say. Right. So when Mary says, "Does the church have? Does Life Church have any uh, plans to protest?" I would say we've been protesting. I, I would say, because what is a protest is a statement of disapproval, right, of something. Uh, and we disapprove of the marginalization of anybody who was made in the image of God. The church by its nature, not even Life Church, Big C Church is a Protestant right. organization. You've said this multiple times, Pastor Nathan. I don't think people understand our history, and I don't say that to be rude. I say it's helpful because the more we understand the history of the church, the more we realize that this is not new news. The church has always been counterculture and even in many ways counter itself. And what I mean by that is that there are people in the church who hold views that are not biblical. And so the church has always, Big C Church, the church, the body of Christ, has always been in a Protestant stance. It protests the hatred of God, the hatred of human beings. The distortion of the glory of God, the distortion of the image of God in people. And so, Mary, I would say we have been protesting. And even this conversation is a form of protesting, as we are striving to stand for biblical truth, to stand yeah. behind what God is doing. So, yeah. Now, in terms of a public and let me just keep it just 100 percent funky. Let me keep it real is. There are a lot of people who are outwardly protesting for things that they have no convictions on, no ideas on. And it's just an outward expression and they do nothing with it. I am proud to say that as a church, I have seen uh, our leadership. Uh, I've seen Nathan. I've seen all of us. I've seen Jared. I've seen Rich. I've seen people stand in areas that are really important, that make big differences rather than an outward expression of protesting. And so when we say protesting, I want to I pack that in with the fullness of what that means. It means to stand in disapproval of something, and we disapprove of the hatred of human beings based on their, their race or their gender or what God has created them to be. We disagree and disapprove of the destruction of the family structure as God has ordained it to be, and we stand with people who love God and who love people who want to care with people. And sometimes that puts us in the position of being around people that might not believe the truth of the scripture, but we have the same understanding of life matters. So
2: that that's what I would say. Yeah. I think one, one of the clarifying things I would say is, um, is, is when we say protests, what people just went to in their mind, listening to this right now yeah. is what the, 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 um, the world is painting protests in
1: it gets difficult yeah
2: yeah the emotional strain and work you have to do to be able to engage the conversation we're having right now is difficult and i understand that like it is very very hard and um there are people who can't handle it and their emotions come up and they just have already written us off as uh whatever they want to say the narrative is and so we we have to speak about this because we have been speaking about this ephesians has not let us not speak about this the unity of our faith we have had to it's 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 been so important that we are clear i want to reiterate we aren't speaking into a vacuum Which means you aren't coming, you and I aren't coming to this conversation. All We've done incredible amount of work to come to it from a biblical standpoint, but most people are coming to this conversation where the majority of the time that they have dwelled on this conversation has been on Facebook which means that we haven't been able to have the conversation in a way that that's super helpful. We can talk about protests more, but um, I know some people are like, why are only liberal Christians protesting? Why are only, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, are you kidding? I see people protesting all the time. Like I, I spoke to a, 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 a business owner in Kentucky who protested for small businesses in the midst of COVID. I spoke to, there's, there's teacher union are, are about to potentially protest if they don't get what they want. Like I, I see Christians on both sides and including social justice, pro um, this issue protesting and uh, wanting to see change in people's lives and caring for our neighbor and loving our neighbor. Um, and yeah, Jared, I'll, I'll let you speak. Cause we, we spoke a lot.
0: I was just going to say, um, I, I don't know that the Black Lives Matter organization is a self-proclaimed Christian one. I don't, I don't know. No, right? like, they, I don't, they actually they anti. Know. They they clearly right. say, state that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so yeah. I think there's yeah. there's another side conversation to be had um, of what why do we expect non-Christian organizations to uphold Christianity or uphold Absolutely. the values and morals of Christianity? So, like, I don't think we should be surprised. When a non-gospel-centered, Christ-centered organization or institution of any kind um, doesn't live into being Christ-like, we, like, okay, like, what, did we expect something else? So, Mm -hmm. um, so I would hate for anybody to waste their emotional energy at getting Mm -hmm. angry that that a non-Christian organization isn't being Christian. Of course, that, of course, they're not going to be non-Christian because they, or they're not going to be Christian because they never said they were going to be in the first place. So um, I think where the challenge then comes in, though, is when a non-Christian, self-proclaimed non-Christian um, organization or institution has elements of gospel-centeredness. You know, because yeah. you you stated very well, Daniel, that the idea. I want to be clear here: the idea that Black Lives Matter. That idea is a biblical, gospel, Christ-centered concept. So, in a sense, that is weaved into a non-Christian organization. That's where then people get a little bit frustrated, and I think that that's yeah. where they're feeling. Now, yeah. here, here's a question, and I don't, I don't know the answer to this. Um, when the phrase "Black Lives Matter" just the phrase, so I'm not even talking about the organization. When the phrase is said in a church, um is it primarily bothersome in predominantly white churches or is it mm. also bothersome in black churches? And again, not every black church is the same. Not every white church is the same. Um, but I just throw that out there. Like, is it concerning if a black pastor says to their pride, predominantly black congregation, that black lives matter, just again, as the phrase, is there that same emotional response in the sense of resistance to it, and I, I don't know if you guys even have the answer. I, I
1: definitely, yeah. I mean, I have, I, I have enough of an answer because of experience, right? To say, you know, I was actually listening to a, a podcast some months ago, um, and um, uh, you know, one of my mentors, um, Thabiti, had um, uh, had a conversation with John Piper because uh, mm-hmm. John Piper's initial reaction as he searched about Black Lives Matter, and I'll see if I can find it and post that, uh, was the, the sort of knee-jerk reaction everybody has now, mostly uh, Caucasians that, no, look at the organization, just look at their website and da 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 And the his response was basically that most Black people don't look at that website. It's, it's, not, it's not a website thing for us. It is a cry that we can resonate with. And so while you will mostly... And, you know, I say that just because we're not a monolith, but in most black churches, the visceral reaction you're going to get is, amen, hallelujah, our lives matter too. Right. Because you don't have to convince most black people that their lives hasn't matter. (laughs) Right. Right. And so what you hear in in, perhaps in a black church, when if and when that's said is a realization, naturally, the distinction is the slogan and the phrase and the principle, not the organization. They're not Mm -hmm. thinking the organization. Uh, I'm not thinking the organization. I'm thinking, yeah, no, my life should matter just as much as yours because I'm a fellow image bearer. Right. But I think in, in, in some white churches, again, just because I don't want to create a monolith of white people. There are a lot of my white brothers and sisters who I love clearly who are, who are even more passionate about black lives than I am. And I'm thankful for them. Right. The the slogan and the phrase, not the organization. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think there is a truth to that, but I think, one is the that's why we keep bringing this back to the word of god right it's an image of god issue is a love your neighbor issue because look beyond and here's a question within the answer i also wonder for some people to harp on the organizational stance of black lives matter could that be a way to not have to deal with the reality that black lives have not matter and the cognitive dissonance that comes from that mm-hmm that shatters your vision and your opinion of what America was, right? Because then it starts to erode the beauty that you may see in statements like make America great again, because then you start to ask yourself, well, if these people have been marginalized for this long, is America really what I thought it was? And that that affects people psychologically in a way that I can appreciate. And so I wonder, and that's why I said to you brothers earlier um, that I'm not interested really in having a conversation about philosophies, Marxism and critical race theories. I want to have a conversation about our hearts and the gospel truth, because I think that will then inform us to let us know, you know, we did a series a couple months ago called um, family matters some months back. And one of the, one of the, one of the things that um, we talked about was the family unit and why there's no perfect family. And one of the statements that I made was there's no perfect families because there's no perfect people. Hmm. And I think we keep forgetting that we are in a fallen, broken world. we fallen, broken people and imperfect people leading imperfect organizations. And so there might be good, redeemable things about an organization, but it doesn't mean the entire organization is good. Right. right? Yep. And and, it, and it's funny because I had a conversation a couple, uh, about a month ago with a brother in our church, love him. And he happens to be a Republican and happens to, to, to have voted for, Things that I may not agree with, but he himself stated that, hey, you know, there are things that that are done in my party that I don't agree with, but I still sort of, I I differentiate between those things and, and the core of the party and that. And I just simply said, well, afford your other brothers who feel differently the same courtesy, because if you can distinguish between someone that you say you don't appreciate and morally you have some concerns about, then you should be able to also differentiate between the principle of an organization and the stance on an organization on certain things. And, and the other parts of the organization, it's a strange thing when we assume that everybody is a sinner and we're the only saint. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's a strange thing that happens in our society.
2: There's a dynamic I want to, I want to, um, I want to, I want to talk about that maybe has come to my light. And, and so two, two things as a white person, um, who's gone through this kind of process of, of, of being made aware of thinking through this and the emotions that go with it. I think other people, there are people who feel helpless. Like, how am I supposed to, if I, um, if I believe that this is true or I have, I start to believe this true, I go through that cognitive distance there. There's a, um, how am I, how am I, I, I don't know how to move forward. I don't know how to reshape my world. And I think, for a lot of people, there isn't anything offered to you to reshape your world. That's why I'm grateful for the gospel. The gospel reshapes our world. And and it shows us what's truly important. I think the other dynamic that I've sensed a lot is when I ask people what they're afraid of, they're afraid of losing influence, losing comfort, uh, losing um, the comfort our, of I think knowing. you talked about one time. I was, yeah. yeah, that's the big one. I was trying to lead up to that. Because I'm sorry, brother. When I'm I said, sorry. No, it's okay because I want to be sensitive when I'm saying all those things, I am saying power and power can have such a bad word. Power is not a bad word. Mm. God has power. God's all powerful. He has given us power. Like it's a good thing. And that's a whole different conversation. But when I have conversations about it, people are like, but what if, what if, what if, what if, what if we go down the Marxist road, which I don't think is going to happen. That's not where we're going. And people are like, that. and I'm like, and, and they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, walk that out for me. What are you afraid of if we become a communist nation? Now, now here's the thing. I don't think we're going to. I don't want to. I like America. I like democracy. I do. I love it. I've fought for it. I've had friends die for it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I believe it. Like, I love, I love it. But, like, as a Christian, were, were we promised to be the people in power and mm-hmm. influence? No, we were told not to. And I mean, you talk, you look at the biggest uh, Marxist or communist uh, community in the world, that's China, and that's where the gospel of Jesus Christ is growing the most. You know, the second place that it's growing the most? In a Muslim country, a it's Muslim Pakistan. government co- country. Yeah. But it's not, we're not, we're talking about how the cross flourishes in persecution. Think about that phrase. The cross <laughs> flourishes. And persecution. So no, do I want to go for it? No, I'm human. I don't want it. But when we start having these conversations about what we might lose, gosh, we've we've one, we're forgetting what we might gain. And and two, that's just not in the scripture. Keeping power, my position as lead pastor, nothing in me is supposed to try to keep this position. It's not that's not a goal. The goal is to use this position to stand with the oppressed, to stand with those who are less, to shepherd people well. I Look, I'm going to be clear here. Like, hmm. We're going to have a some kind of event before the election or after the election, some kind of prayer night where we get together and pray. And what I want people to just um, realize is when you're in that room and when you're in the church, there are people who are on other sides of the aisle. And I, I'm going to push back. I'm going to push in just a, a hair here and take a moment because I get to do that when I want because. It's one of the things of the power of being the yeah, guy. Power, guy, <laughs> <laughs> is I want to say this. I've had people who are lovingly coming to me who are feeling unsafe in church
0: hmm.
2: on both sides of the political spectrum. And gosh, I, I'm just going to keep saying this forever and ever and ever. When you post on Facebook in a way that demeans the other side of this human issue that has spiritual connotations, you're not helping you're hurting. You you need to check yourself. And I'm talking to everyone. Check yourself because you worship with people who are voting different than you. And you could be causing more problems and not inviting in a conversation. I say this, Do you, are you aiming for an audience of people who already agree with you? Or are you trying to shame people? Are you trying to hurt people? Are you like, we should be inviting conversations. And, and here's the thing. I'm not hypothetically this. I am watching what's happening on Facebook. And what I find on both sides is that it's being very, very divisive what we're posting and how we're posting it. Love people well, because we're gonna be a church that continues to have people on both sides of the aisle um, because that's not actually important um, to the gospel but we're going to be a place that doesn't ostracize people and you belong and you can help other people belong while standing for truth. And, and um, I just want to say that because I'm having a lot of really hard conversations with well-meaning people who are struggling and the way that we're comporting ourselves is not helping them struggle through what the gospel says. And that's their heart, their true heart. The people, every person I've met with who is struggling with this, They, their true heart is to love God, love people, and support the gospel. We've got to create an environment for people to do that. Yeah.
1: Well, that's that's absolutely good, and I I think um, you know, we. And it's a matter of semantics, but you and I have had this conversation. All of us have had this conversation. It's not hard conversation. It's just real conversations. Because once you start to, once you let's in, let's infuse the imago day in that once you look at someone as an image bearer the conversation becomes easier conversation becomes a lot easier doesn't mean that there's not pain doesn't mean there's not hurt but it lessens the aggression i think if you yeah. can just start off by saying hey i think you are an image bearer of god and vice versa amen amen let's start from that point um so i, I think that's great um there is another question that um apparently someone said goodbye god bless him um if you would like to talk, we are here for you. We are open. We'd like to have dialogue with you. And that goes out to everybody. If there's anything we've said here that you're like, eh, I don't know if that's a gospel issue, we want to have that conversation. We are a church. We are Christians first and foremost. And so therefore, all of our conversations, I would, I would ask, should be guided by what is God's call for us in this conversation? And I think when we start from that premise, we can begin to divorce, divorce ourselves from uh, human philosophies uh, and move closer to what God has called us to to be as a church. So Conrad, uh Conrad J. Wilson, good question. Um and I also want to say, uh Mary, Mary, thank you for your question. That was a real good question that led us into a, a deeper conversation. Thank you for sharing that. Um hope you felt heard in that. Um and Conrad says is silence complicity or is it just listening? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um and my my quick answer is yes. it could be both silence could be complicity um, but silence should not be assumed for complicity uh, as complicity because sometimes people want to process and we all process differently Um, so I wouldn't assume someone's silent I think again back to what Pastor Jared said I would say ask them the question if if, and if it's you you're being silent ask yourself the question why am I being silent would I speak because I I mean there are pastors who I, I respect their hermeneutics and how they study the Bible, but I find them willing to talk about other issues that are important and controversial issues, but are absolutely silent on this. So my question is, why is the same energy not being kept thoroughly through? Why are you more passionate about that? That's an image issue and not this, that's also an image issue. So I think I would say that's what I would, what I would want to ask some questions and find out why they're silent. It could be sometimes people are silent because they don't have enough information. And that's good. I'd rather you be silent and not go out there and have a hard conversation. I had a conversation yesterday with one of my closest brothers in the Lord. And I'm like, hey, there's there's impacts to what we say Uh, and what we say can either confirm for other people their hatred and their negative feelings about certain groups. And we have to be careful to unpack it. So I would say, yes, I would say ask some follow up questions, clarifying questions, and then you'd be able to find out if it's complicity. And if it's complicity, you may be able to lovingly because of your relationship. Care for them and encourage them to be spoken, um, to be outspoken about certain things, brothers. What do you think about that question?
0: Yeah, I thought um, I would say I'd be curious about what you know, what context you're in. So um, I think sometimes we think it has to be on this big, grand scale. Like I have to post something on Facebook so everybody knows where I stand, and I don't want to be seen as silent and complicit. And and I get that. Um, sometimes it's in really. Small context, really small scenarios where you're just around a group of people, maybe friends, and somebody just says uh, an inappropriate joke um, that that maybe has some prejudice or even racist undertones. Uh, what do you do in that situation? You know, do you just listen to it, um, or are you just silent, or um, do you say, "Hey, uh, what was that about? What what do you mean by that?" Or I don't think that's funny. And, and, and again, that depends on. Who you're with, if you're with, with really close friends and those friends are Christian and you're Christian, you have an obligation there to, to stand in and say something um, about that. Um, and so it, I think sometimes we think it has to show up in these big events, um, but it's really in small scenarios. And a lot of times um, just little by little trying to gain understanding or maybe even poking at some things that are said or not said um, and just uh, being invitational to the conversation to, to say, help me understand why you just said that. Um, or that's not cool. Uh, sometimes it's as easy as that. Um, maybe the, the aftermath isn't easy, but the statement certainly is easy. That's, that's one thing that I thought of.
2: Yeah. I think uh, Charisse just commented that some are silent in order to not offend or cause other to sin in their response. And I think that's uh, what I see. I see people not engaging on specifically Facebook because every, my 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 sister, she, she posted, uh, she's a wedding photographer. And she talked nearly just quickly about like, hey, how do you, th- to other wedding photographers, how having to wear masks is going to affect their business. And it went like crazy nuts onto like every political issue. And she's just like, I wasn't even talking mm. about that and trying oh. to engage. She took it down. And I know that that's the fear that some of you are feeling. And I know I'm sure I'm not saying that's what you feel. Um, and it may be that you feel that way in person. I know on staff, we, we've continued to push into this and create environments for conversation so that people who are afraid that they may offend specifically white people offend their black brothers and sisters can work through it. It's hard work. It's done in relationship. And uh, I would say if you're feeling like you don't want to offend anybody, um that, that I I, I man, I am with you. And so I can't say enough. Facebook is the worst place to do it. I know people are gonna do it no matter what I say. That's okay. Gonna have a different opinion about it. Try to do it in a way that's loving. Having the conversations one on one with people, um, as best you can in the context, what it's going to do is build relationships. And then like I think I'm hearing when you build relationships and sometimes you have to build them in the midst of hard conversations, the more you do it, the more it can bear the weight of more difficult conversations and more honesty. And I hope that everyone here is, is um, encouraged that this is good work. Mm -hmm. This is good things and it's good understanding. Amen. And that. Well, folks, we are out of time,
1: but not out of wisdom. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> no, but we are we are out of time. Any wisdom we have is from God, and we thank him for his word, which is always wisdom to us. Um, and so it has been great, brothers, having this conversation with you. I know there's so much more we can unpack, and there's a few more questions that we'll get to at some point. I know that's sort of linked to this, but we want to invite you Um, into our hearts, into our conversation. We want you to know that we are the church collectively. The church is not the pastors, the preachers. The church is the people of God. And we just have the privilege to serve you um, in in opening God's word. And we don't take that lightly. So uh, any announcements that you want to quickly chime out, Pastor Nathan or Pastor Jared? Um, Otherwise, we will. Okay, good. Sweet.
2: Yeah, one one thing. You can bid us a goodbye. Yeah, just for clarity, we've been talking in this podcast about how there's a difference between the foundation um, and the phrase Black Lives Matter, and it's important that you continue to educate yourself, and there's amazing resources um, from Christianity Today. You can reach out, or I put it in the Facebook feed. I want to announce to you, too, um, to show up on the weekend and to share. We're, we're sharing some great stuff, and there's incredibly cool things that we're announcing this weekend. Um, that you want to be a part of. Um, Thank you for for being the church and being amazing.
1: Amen. Well, love you guys. We will see you on the flip side. And uh, God bless.